it irritates me that uh, some of the, uh, the on, on the right wing they try to describe Denmark and the Danes as the people or state that is falling apart um, because of uh, internal conflicts, and uh, I think it's a very destructive way to to conceive or describe our uh, situation uh, just now i think it's also i think it's 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 really dangerous this is the danish debate a podcast about danish society and politics i'm your host peter stannis i'm a british journalist and i want to explore the political and social landscape of the country that i've called home for 25 years in this first season We take a deep dive into the major issues ahead of the upcoming general election. We're talking climate, the media, immigration, and so much more. It's Danish politics from an international perspective, and hopefully you're going to better understand a country that I think is so often misunderstood. Today we ask, why did the government want to force a popular talk radio station to leave Copenhagen? Is it fair to argue that too much cultural capital and state jobs are concentrated in the city? Or is it just another front in global populism? Another cynical attempt to appeal to voters by sowing divisions between an imagined urban elite and an authentic rural population? This is the Danish debate. Radio 427 is a maverick talk radio station with a reputation for pursuing hypocrisy and asking difficult questions. Seven years after it first aired, the privately owned but state-financed radio station has proven its value in articulating voices and perspectives that were otherwise pretty absent from the media debate. So it came as a shock when the owners of the radio station announced in March that they would not reapply to extend the license, which is expiring in November. The problem is that the government has imposed new terms, which means that 70% of the editorial staff now needs to be located more than 110 kilometers from Copenhagen. The radio station's owners argued that under these terms, it just wasn't possible to deliver the same radio. The public uproar was swift and persistent. Why force the closure of a successful radio station after years of hard work and millions of krona of investment? On May 3rd, After a month of negotiations, the government extended an olive branch to keep Radio Fiotusu alive, but only as a digital channel. The plan to have a rural talk radio station seems to still be on the books. But why did the Liberal Conservative government propose the policy in the first place? And what was it like inside the radio station to learn that your workplace might just soon cease to exist? In April, when it looked certain that the radio station would have to permanently close... I spoke to Tina Yersin Knusen, a radio host on Radio Fiotusu. We talked about what it's like to work for the radio station and what the whole situation tells us about politics in Denmark today. Welcome, Tina. Thank you. I'd love you to just give us a little bit of insight into this into this radio station. Um, why was it established in the first place, and what sort of a workplace is it? Well, the radio was established about eight years ago because politicians wanted an, an alternative to the radio that was already there from Danish broadcasting. Um, the type of talk radio was quite old-fashioned and I think I can say boring without offending anyone. Um, it was very stiff and uh, it was basically just something that people from Copenhagen or north of Copenhagen with very long um, educations listened to. So the politicians wanted to... Um, They wanted to do something else. They wanted to kind of 
disrupt it in a way and see if they could create an alternative that could like provocate the whole talk radio business in Denmark to making it different. Um, and that's where Radio 24 um came in. They put some some people in charge of it, Mass Brygger and um, Mikael Bertelsen, who are um, like so notoriously famous for being creative and doing crazy things uh, in in the Danish media industry in the first uh, already. And then for the first few years, the radio was crap. Um, it was it was terrible. It was like I think someone called it a uh, like a, a horrible local radio station in a way that compared it to that. But after a while, we found. We found out like what the, you know, what the DNA was of the radio, and um, that takes some time to create. So after four years, it started to be really, really good, and for the last four years, it's it's been amazing. Um, we've won so many awards uh, at at these annual radio award shows. Um, so it's quite, it's it's fantastic to be a part of. It really is. What sort of a personality does Twenty Four Seven have compared to the other? Because it's it's also st- I mean it's a privately it's a private radio station financed by the state. Its main competitor is the is is Pete the, the Danish radio, um, the, the first channel. I mean, how does it separate itself from from Piet? Well, the Mesbroger and Mikael Bertelsen, they said that their philosophy when going into the radio it was to kind of take in all the lunatics that uh, had been thrown out from the uh, other established media and then see what happens because they they believe that when you take people who are a bit weird and crazy and passionate about things you can make really good radio um so i think that's the most important difference whereas in pit you know they they're of course a part of danish broadcasting so they have to they have to be different they have to be you know more decent in a way i almost want to say and more polite in things whereas radio 24/7 had you know as this provocative radio station could be more direct and you know experimentative and and stuff like that from day one which we were what's also a change is how we um our approach to journalism is is very different we don't want to just rely on experts sitting at a university being you know clever on a, a certain topic we want to actually go and talk to the people where it's about so that's been kind of like the mantra um and another thing has been that they want radio hosts who actually have opinions and who are like strong characters in a way. So you're not just sitting in a chair and asking questions. You're also a strong personality. Mm. Um, so that's also something that's been a major change and something that Pete has now copied. But I mean, that's, and so this is the irony, right? So we've had a, a radio station that has largely succeeded after all this investment and it's, and it's a proper competitor to to Pete and it's raised Pete's level. Mm. And then the new rules for the tender. So what's happening in October is that um, 24-7 has to reapply for the, has, has to you know, reapply for this for this license. I mean, when did you guys first start getting word that there were going to be some major changes to to the tender process? Um, last summer, really. Um, I think it was in in June. They had sat down the politicians. They were negotiating a new um, what's it called, media fully, <laughs> how money is distributed in, in the coming years. And um, Danish People's Party, they kind of came in as we've been told. They came in last minute. Um, it was midnight, and they had lots of different agreements they needed to finish before they were going off on summer holiday the day after. Um, and all of a sudden they said, well, I want to move Radio 24-7 to Jutland. What? Uh, yeah, so wh- Jutland, where did that come from? Yeah, so Copenhagen's on the far east coast of, of Denmark and Jutland is the peninsula coming out of Germany. And, 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 and there's a sort of, there's there's a divide, isn't there, between, so that why, so suddenly this came out of nowhere. They said, okay, mm. we want to move 24-7 to Jutland. What was their, what was their reasoning? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to this day, I still don't know. Yeah. Um, it's been... Um, it's been impossible to get uh, 
a real answer to because every time we every time we meet someone from Danish People's Party, especially now, because you know a lot has changed. You know they didn't succeed at first by moving the radio; they wanted to move half. So we've been kind of trying to, um, you know, deal with that since the summer. And, you know, Berlingske Media, who own Radio 24-7, were thinking, OK, we can deal with that. Yeah. We can move half the radio. But then what happened in, in has happened in the recent weeks was that all of a sudden Danish People's Party said they want 70% uh, yeah, of the radio. Of the editorial staff, yeah. Yeah, and that's why, you know, our owners have decided that we can't, you know, the radio can't continue. It will be a completely different radio. It doesn't make sense for us. Yeah. Um, but... I, I really still don't know. Like, I mean, but this is the interesting point, isn't mm. it? It's a successful radio. It's listened evenly all the way across the country. Um, and also, I liked, it was interesting the point that you made that 24-7 decided to take uh, a man-on-the-street attitude. It's uh, less expert-based. Uh, expert um, it definitely has a much broader, like a diversity of guests, which you don't necessarily get on, on, on P-IT. These are the sorts of things that I would think that a party like Dance Volkovati would actually like. Dance Volker Party, um, sort of a nativist populist party, um, kind of rebellious. They, they're single issue party, mostly anti-immigration, but they also get their elbows out with this anti-elitist vibe, right? Is, mm. is that right? Is that the way you see them? Yeah, that, well, that's how they would like to be seen, yeah. um, really. I'm, I'm not sure if I, I entirely agree with them when you then see the consequences of the, the politics they're, they're putting forward um, throughout the country. Um, but it, it's quite... It's quite funny in a way that in a small country like Denmark, where the furthest you can get away from here by train is like five or six hours, uh, that you will talk about uh, there's a big divide in the country and such a big difference between Jutland and Copenhagen and, and everything. Um, and that's the, the case they put forward. So we say, OK, then where do you see that in our programs? Like what, what is it about our journalism that you find that's divisive or that's Copenhagen oriented and stuff? And they can't point at a single thing. There's no specific thing. They can say that this is what we're angry about. We want this to change. Mm. Um, so it's been really frustrating to try and discuss this with them because yeah. they're, they're just saying, you know, we wanted to go to Jutland just because. I mean, there is a question. Why can't you operate a world-class uh, talk radio station from outside Copenhagen? Why do you just? Why do you think it's impossible? Well, I don't think it's, it's impossible. I think you can do... Um, you could make radio twenty four seven from outside of Copenhagen, but you would have to use you have to spend a lot more money than you are today because the whole business model around the radio is that we we do it very it's it's very very cheap it's so cheap compared to what Danish broadcasting are doing so we depend um, we rely rely a lot upon politicians coming into the studio in Copenhagen and you know they spent most of their times in Parliament and and so does the like the ministers for whatever, you know, if they if there's a come on the radio in between meetings, how are they going to just drop by Svendborg, even though Denmark's a small country, it's like four hours away. So, you know, it's not, it's just not possible. Um, so it's, it's, it's that, I think it's just... So the question is, are they actually wanting to destroy 24-7? Has 24-7 made the Danish People's Party, have they made their life too difficult? Can we be seeing, is it, can it be as simple as that? I think we have kind of made everyone's life a bit difficult. I think we've been annoying everyone. That's been like the, you know, the whole, the whole, you know, DNA again. Just like anyone who um, who's done something wrong deserves, you know, some, some awkward time on air where we ask them some difficult questions. So we've done that to all the political parties. So that's also part of why it's difficult to understand um, why they would feel singled out. At the same time, though, they have found an ally in our um, Social Democrat Party. Uh, who They absolutely hate us. Because they feel like they've been singled out as well. Yeah. And 
they've been quite annoyed with us because we've maybe so that, asked, and that was yeah. what was most surprising so Danish People's Party belonging to the the the, the right wing blue block of parties supporting the you know supporting the a, a liberal uh, libertarian conservative coalition um and yet um the social democrats you know the left wing leaders have said you know if we live if we win an election in uh, in probably in may or june which they're likely to do they're not going to turn back this media agreement. In fact, they're quite happy to to, to be the end of 24-7. I mean, you could see a stronger argument that a sort of a power party, an institutional party would want to silence the critics. Mm. But at the same time, this is not a sort of, this is not the sort of thing that you would imagine that would happen in Denmark, right? Mm. It's, a, it's a bit of a blemish on its reputation when it comes to media freedom, don't you think? There's been like a public outcry like I've, I've never seen before. I've never been a part of a media where, where so many people, they care. They're, we've got like a, a demonstration um, coming up this Saturday where people yeah. are going to take it to parliament and like just like show their anger that they're closing down the radio and yeah. people are signing, you know, petitions to, 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 to keep us. And it's, it's, quite, it's quite remarkable. Uh, yeah. So I think you could definitely say that. Um, I don't know if do you, do you say that in, in England as well, that you shoot yourself in the foot? Yeah, you shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's yeah. that's probably what they've done. Yeah, I mean, but that's but that's the question. I think is whether Denmark is a big enough country to to sow. So the, the narrative was that oh, twenty four seven is another mm. elitist radio station, and we need to get outside of the city, you know, because you know real people outside of the country, you know, in the countryside, they're the real people with the real voices, and we really need to get them on the radio. Mm. The Danes haven't bought that. It seems. It seems that Danes are actually like no twenty four seven is is doing quite a good job. Actually, there's local mm. radio all over Jutland producing Jutland radio, isn't there? So, um, is this are we are we are we going to see a major backlash? Get, you know, is this only going to make Dan's Volkerpartiet's fate even worse in the elections because they're they're looking at a, a really suffering already? I think it, it it could be. I'm not I'm not hoping for it. I'm no. not you know it's it, <laughs> it's not like I'm hoping for it. But I think that definitely they have underestimated the. Uh, the backlash um, because people are just furious. Yeah, uh, we don't have you know it's it's it, we don't have like millions of listeners in Denmark, but the group of listeners we have are extremely loyal, um, and they 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 love us and they hate us, you know, which is equally good when it comes to to radio. Um, so they they're just furious with them, and I think they've definitely, um, I think they've underestimated Danes in general, like the whole. Um, we just need to move out a radio station because then it, the country will get more even. It's just, you know, people aren't that stupid. I'm sorry. They're just, they, they can turn on the radio and then they'll listen to what, you know, we have to say and then they'll make their own opinion. I mean, is it actually, is it not because of they're stupid? Is it literally the science? You said it earlier, then, you know, it takes, you know, five hours in a train and you're in the most northerly point in Denmark. Danes just, they, they are so, that the proximity to each other means that you can't actually build up um, sort of enemy images of each other. Mm. I'm using Danish now. Uh, <laughs> you can't build this. Do you think that that's maybe actually one of the things that is the Danish strength that when it comes to its political system in the first place, actually, it's a small, mm. homogenous country. People can't, re- you can't really get away with telling lies about each other. Yeah, yeah. I think to, to a, a long extent, that's why, you know, everyone's happy about paying as much tax as we do. Yeah. Because, you know, we feel like we're this cute little group of people. We take care of each other. Um, and I think it has a lot, of, lot to do with our size. Um, that said, there, there are some really big regional differences. Um, I'm from Jutland myself. I'm from a city called Ranas, which is being marked as like redneck central in, in, in Denmark. And um, lots of the people I went to school with, they, they didn't get an education. You know, they had um, two kids in a house when they were 25. 
stuff like that, which seems, you know, so far off when you live in Copenhagen. Um, I'm 28 now and I haven't got either of that. <laughs> um, and so there are some differences and there are some real problems with, you know, the um, western part of Denmark, western part of Jutland, where largely in the small cities, um, young women, they tend to leave to go to university in the largest cities and men, they get left behind. Um, they don't get an education and then they're kind of stuck there. Mm. Um, and that's a real problem. Yeah. Um, but is it as big of a problem that we need to make so drastic changes that the politicians want to do that? I, I, I really doubt it. Um, they've, they've kind of, um, they have Norway as like the, the dream model of how to do it. You know, in Norway, they've had this policy for years where they've moved out um, state jobs to different parts of the country, but that's like a massive country. Um, and in Norway, you have from each valley, you can get a new dialect and, and new traditions and everything. So it's it's so different. Um, so I think they have, maybe they, they, they've they underestimated the, uh, or overestimated, can you say that? <laughs> the, the size of, uh, of Denmark. It's not, we're not that big of a country. Like, yeah. We're just not. That was Tina Jersen Knudsen, a radio host on Radio 427. Next up, I head out of Copenhagen and talk to a writer who is pretty fed up with politicians who are playing urban and rural Danes off against each other. But first, this. Hi, I'm James Clasper, and I'm the host of Archipelago, a brand new podcast about arts, culture and ideas in Denmark. From provocative guests and topical debates to engaging ideas and surprising stories, Archipelago will be talking all things cultural in Scandinavia's smallest island nation. Search for Archipelago on your favorite podcast app and visit mothertongue.dk to find out more. And now, back to the Danish debate. After the right-wing blue block of parties won the election in 2011, they promptly formed a plan to decentralize Denmark's public administrations – Calling it Better Balance, around 8,000 public sector jobs have been slated to be moved out of the capital for the sake of stimulating economic growth away from the major cities. It's not been a universally popular decision, and critics have argued that it makes sense to keep these interdependent public bodies in the capital close to decision makers. The fact that it's also going to cost 550 million kroner also hasn't helped. The Danish People's Party are undeterred. And they've even proposed doubling the number of jobs that should be moved from Copenhagen. The party's push for a talk radio station that is broadcast from outside of Copenhagen fits this pattern. While the proposal has been almost universally panned, is a provincial talk radio station such a daft idea? And are they really wrong to believe that provincial Denmark is being overlooked by elites in the capital? I was reading Politika newspaper one day and I, and I came across this opinion piece by a writer, Egon Clausen, who writes that populist politicians and ignorant Copenhageners talk about a Denmark that simply does not exist. Uh, he adds that it's also stupid and wrong to speak of Denmark as a country that is torn apart by conflict and spectacle. So naturally, I wrote him an email and he invited me to his apartment in Charlottenlund, north of Copenhagen. My name is Egon Clausen, and I'm a Danish writer and a journalist and former editor at the National Broadcasting Corporation here in Denmark. Have you seen this narrative um, develop or change over the years? Are we are we living in a in a special moment in Denmark when it comes to 
this rift between all this narrative about the, the the urban rural divide, or is it relatively new? But how how has that narrative changed in 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 the years in your professional in your professional career? You see, I have been occupied as a Danish broadcasting corporation for thirty five years, and uh, uh, in I think in twenty uh, of these years, I've been editor and a member of of uh, the leading group of this. Uh, P8, which 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 is the cultural uh, channel, and uh, when I was there, I had uh, I was responsible for uh, our contact with with the, the local stations all over the country. You know, uh, the Danish Broadcasting Corporation has, I think, nine different uh, radio stations in different places. So I know a lot of Denmark. I am myself born in the western part of uh, of this tiny country, Denmark, and um, uh, it irritates me that uh, some of the, uh, the on the, on the right wing they try to describe Denmark and the Danes as a people or a state that is falling apart um, because of uh, internal conflicts, and uh, I think it's a very destructive way to to conceive or describe our uh, situation uh, just now i think it's also i think it's 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 really dangerous i i see the same effort uh, in in various places in europe i i i, I can see that some of the same uh, arguments uh the same words, the same rhetoric was uh, used in Yugoslavia as I hear here in Denmark today. And also I read about it uh, when I read about Brexit. I can see the same. A hate towards um, um, the capital, a hate towards uh, a central place to run a state. Um, and, and, and really, as deep down in me, I'm frightened because I, I think I think it's more dangerous than we uh, tend to think about it. Well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. In this yeah. case, it's the Danish People's Party, the, the populist um, the populist party aligned with the right wing, supporting this minority liberal conservative government. Why do they not see how dangerous it is? What do they hope to get out of, in 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 your sense, this creating a rift between the urban and the rural in Denmark? Yeah. What's 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 their end game? Their 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 end game is uh, an end to all what we could call modernity. They really hate it. Um, and, and 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 they say it also. They are some of them the leading, uh, some of them in the leading part of that uh, political party. They they are almost obsessed with the, their hate against all what we could call modern uh, modernity and modern culture. Uh, they want a stop and end to this world. I said, no, not to, not to the existence, but to this modern world and they, they they want to go back to something that was earlier where they think it was more the society was better and everything was better and, and this is a really a big lie mm. yeah so it's a it's a sort of a sentimentalization of the past a time yeah, really. when yeah. a time when there were jobs in in the countryside mm. and there was you know a thriving yeah. and and we've seen um 
over the past 20 years, especially jobs have been centralized, especially state jobs centralized in, in this in the capital city. I mean, can you can you not argue that um, the the way that the, the the liberal government in the early two thousands maybe did you think maybe they over centralized in that period? No, no, I don't think so. Okay. If you if you if you look at Denmark, you know we have the we have Copenhagen here in the eastern part of the country, but then we have Jutland, and 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 they say that that uh, there is such we um, it's it, there's no balance between. Copenhagen and the rest of the country. But if you go to Jutland, you will see exactly the same. So, so it's not only it's not a process uh, it, it, that that is um, um, uh, only for Copenhagen. The rest of the country it's going on all over the country. Uh, but it's easy to say that it's, uh, it's 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 also because of the people in Copenhagen are so arrogant and um, so um, uh, obsessed with themselves that they don't know anything about the rest of the country, but it's not true. So you see the the Danish People's Party in this case sort of using this um, this 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 image of the countryside is you know as is hard done by and every, yeah. you know all the goods have been shoveled into the city center you know into the main hubs into Copenhagen and they're the they're the elites and they've got everything and we need to redistribute this wealth. That's fine. If I can see if we have one party in parliament that has a sort of a sentimental attitude, but the, 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 the government leaders, the liberal party, Venstra, yeah. I mean, they go along with this and what's, yeah. what's, what's in it for them? Uh, I think it's only a play of game of, of power. Uh, they, 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 a game of power. They, uh, they hope that they can regain a loss of support that they uh, a support that they lost uh, during the last election, especially in the southern part of Jutland. So you will see they have sent uh, some of the institutions from, from the central government out there. You you talk about um, the, the 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 opinion piece that I read. Uh, you you say you go you went back to Hemet and ah. you saw the. You know that while it's it's a it's a town that was once much more thriving, it had its yeah. own industry, and that's gone, but it's still doing okay. Tell tell me a little bit about Hemet, the town that you were brought up in, and 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 what it is that you're you're seeing as a sort of a symbol of revival in in, in Western Jutland. Uh, uh, Hemet has lost almost everything it had when I was a child. Today there's only uh, the church and one local shop and nothing more. It's it's a it's a village and people that live there they uh, they love they love it really they do in that really I understand it, and they have they have they have built a, a fantastic uh, house for cult for culture, and it's not it's not uh, only for what we can call Western West Jutland culture. It's it they. they 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 arrange um, uh, the Folkehøjskole uh, lectures uh, and, and 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 there come hundreds of people listening to what they have to say there. Right? There's a concert and music and but but also of course uh, local local what what uh, things they do there and they are, of course they're so proud of it. And and I think it's 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 really a fantastic, and it's not they are not the only one. 
up and down along, uh, along uh, the western coast in the western part of, of Jutland, I can see the same people. People are really creating uh, um, cultural events uh, for themselves and, and they are proud of it. Uh, and I, have, I haven't met any that have been proud of some of uh, the institutions that have been uh, removed from Copenhagen and placed somewhere in Jutland, there has absolutely, absolutely no local uh, proudness, no uh, festivities in that. But here, they're so proud of it because it, it belongs to themselves. They have done it themselves and they are so proud of it. And uh, yes, that's fine. Another reason why I, I really like the, the, the piece that you wrote is because it reminded me of the, the year I spent last year in Hoya, yeah. down by the uh, the German border on the west coast mm. of Denmark. It, uh, I worked at a, what you call a folk high school in English. It's a, I think it's a, yeah, it's a folk high school. Yeah. It's a it's a sort of educational system we don't have anywhere else in the world. But I spent a year down there, and I remember waking up in the mornings to the sound of geese at, at yeah. six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, and to go outside and look up oh. and just see. I mean, hundreds of thousands of these birds migrating. Yeah, it's it's an absolutely incredible experience. And also, you know, you're right by the sea. You know, when the wind comes in and when the weather comes in, you really feel it. It's, it's a, You feel very exposed to these big skies and and... It's it's and it's special, you know. It's not, it's not something we're ever going to have over here in Copenhagen. I mean, that's also something that you reflect on. That you know, the fact is that the city has some qualities, and the countryside and the province have other qualities, and and you can't compare them, and they're they're equally good in their own ways. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the qualities of Denmark, as well as uh, England and uh, um, every other state, is uh, that there are so many different things in it. Uh, we should not all be the same. We should uh, admire that we have uh, uh, so many different things. And, and that these differences, I think it's of great value for all of us. And when I see what we talked about, the Danish Folkeparty before, I think they may have a dream about that we all should be equal be the same, we should have the same meanings and have the same look at society and the world. And I oppose that, really. I think it should be the opposite. We should admire that we are uh, different from each other. We should admire differences because it makes us uh, stronger and it made us more clever and we, we... it, 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 it gives a quality to a society that gives it it's, it's much it's more fun to live in a place where there are so many different things On the next episode of the Danish Debate I ask why the climate is so high on the agenda ahead of the next election and why activists aren't holding their breath for Parliament to suddenly double down on the country's climate ambitions Right now we have a representative democracy where we have leaders that are supposed to get, go into the right direction. And we need to make them aware that, that the direction we're on right now is the very, very wrong way. This government is not going to change the, the legislation and build the legislation that we need. Something else is going to make that change. And I believe that it's the people that's going to make that pressure.
The Danish Debate is a new podcast about Danish society and politics. It's produced by Mother Tongue Media, a home for English language podcasts in Denmark. Remember, we've also got a fantastic new podcast about arts, culture and ideas in Denmark. It's called Archipelago and it's hosted by James Clasper, an English journalist based here in Copenhagen who's written for heavyweights such as the New York Times, The Guardian and The Financial Times too. Go check it out. It's really great. James and I believe there's a space for high-quality English-language journalism and storytelling here in Denmark, especially in podcasting. And that's what we're trying to do here with the Danish Debate in Archipelago. Please visit mothertongue.dk to find out more. In fact, if you like this episode, please take a minute to review us on Apple Podcasts or mention it on Twitter, tagging the Danish Debate or Archipelago. Reviews and shares on social media will really help more people find us, and uh, that's what it's all about. This episode was written, edited, and produced by me, Peter Stanners, and published by Mother Tongue Media. See you next time.